You're listening to a North Valley Church podcast. Thanks so much for joining. For more information and resources, you can visit us online at northvalley.org. Well, good morning. Good to be with you guys. Those of you that are new, my name's Ryan. I serve as the lead pastor, founding pastor. Excited to be here this morning. So uh, my wife is out of town, unfortunately. I have been trying to manage and be Mr. Mom, Mr. Super Dad for the uh, almost two weeks now. She's back in Arkansas in Texas this morning, uh, visiting family and friends. And so I've been batching it for a little bit. So having a good time though, but uh, today after service, we are still going to have that gather event. Um, so I, I would always hate to uh, over-promise and under-deliver. Uh, it's, I think the gather event's always better when Leslie's there. Uh, so, but we're still going to have a great time. So if that's you, you want to explore being a part of North Valley and what that means, I want to encourage you to join us for lunch after service. We'll be in here. So we've got a number of folks already signed up and looking forward to it. Uh, well, this morning, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be jumping into uh, a message. We're continuing on in the Gospel of John. But before I do, um, I want to share with you just some updates about the church and things that are going on. Uh, I'm really uh, grateful. I want to acknowledge a lot of our volunteers, uh, specifically within North Valley Kids Ministry and Student Ministries and our staff. They've been doing what we call water days. And so that is a ton of extra work on our volunteers. They had a big event this week and had tons of kids out and they've been sharing and showing the love of Jesus Christ. So let's celebrate them and thank them. Thank you for been doing that. Uh, this is a next generation church. We wanna see a lot of young folks uh, come to know, follow and live for Jesus Christ. And we're proud of, of the folks that have been giving, serving and helping invest into those kids. So Valerie uh, gets a special shout out. She's our North Valley Kids Coordinator, done a fantastic job, and uh, we're so proud of her for all her hard work. Well, as well on the campus, uh, speaking of next generation, that building when you drive in that's on the right, uh, that is just about being finished up. Uh, we're going to have... Uh, hopefully it all running and operating at full capacity uh, soon. And uh, we expect to have a grand opening of that facility and tour all around uh, in September. So uh, be praying for us on that. And we're excited and grateful for all of you who've been giving and serving to make that uh, project possible. We, uh, hopefully you got a note from me if you contributed towards that campus project of that expansion, just to say thank you. It was a three-year commitment to expand our campus and uh, we've been able to do that and we're excited about what God's gonna do this next ministry year. Our ministry year starts in uh, August, so football season kickoff. We have our ministry kickoff, and that starts in August. Kids are going back to school, and so all of our ministries you're going to see just kind of go full throttle starting in August, and we run a, a ministry year much like a school year. So we have big fall semester and then a spring semester. And so you guys are in for a lot this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Been working with the staff team on planning and prepping and all the uh, ministries and the mission projects. And so pray for us in that, just for the Holy Spirit to really confirm uh, uh, things and initiatives. We're closing down the month of July in our planning and then starting to implement everything in August. Um, as well, I wanted to give you an update on giving financially. I've, if you recall, you were here uh, last month when I said, hey, listen, our church is doing pretty good overall. The church has grown a lot by 
uh, more than 100 adults or 100 people all together from this time last year to now. So with growth comes extra expenses, extra staffing. We've made some staff changes and um, done a lot. And so our expenses in increased. And then summer hit and historically in churches kind of they get in trouble during the summer because everybody's traveling. And I said, hey guys, listen, only about 40% of the congregation is giving online. You guys were all giving cash and checks, and that's great. Uh, I think I said 40 to 50% are giving online, and that's good as long as everybody else is giving in, uh, you know, cash or check. But I said where we would like to be and where we used to be during the pandemic and then in years past, we were like 80 to 90% of our conger, all of our giving was online. So that helps us, you can imagine, uh, to plan more uh, intelligently to uh, understanding how much is going to come in and all that. So here's the good news. We moved from like 40 to 50% in the month of uh, uh, I think it was May, and I look back to the looking at June is what it was, is actually we jumped up to 90% right now. You guys are giving online, so thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, it's really important, you know, when you're managing a, a campus, it's a nine-acre campus and a, a great staff team and all that, just to make sure we're going to be good. And so by God's grace, we've uh, just continued to thrive and continue to go. Um, I want to share with you as well my appreciation for our North Valley uh, mission trip, uh, the men that are a part of that trip who've been giving financially or anybody giving financially to make sure that trip happened uh, through our hope offering and specifically the men that are going on that trip. Would you stand just for a moment? If you're going on the Navajo mission trip, uh, there in the back, there we go. There, right there, right there, right there. You guys give them a big round of applause. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Let me pray for you, Lord Jesus, we thank you for these men. Um, Lord, that they could, they could go do a lot of other things, but they're going to choose to go sweat it out for the name of Jesus in the Navajo Nation in a really hot season. We pray that they would be refreshed as they're seeking to refresh others. Might you empower them and encourage them, and we thank you on behalf of our church, Lord. Uh, we thank you uh, for these men going on behalf of us uh, to share and show the love of Christ. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. They'll be heading out this week and uh, gone this uh, next Sunday. Uh, I will be here and look forward to getting reports and we'll share with you the projects that they're doing up there. Well, this morning we're jumping back into the Gospel of John. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up. Um, I'll have a number of the passages on the screen. Uh, we are in John chapter 7. And the topic that I'm choosing to uh, discuss with you in theme out of this passage is uh, how to satisfy your spiritual thirst. Um, we all are, are thirsty, and if you don't uh, satisfy your physical thirst, uh, then you can get easily dehydrated. Uh, I recall when we first uh, started uh, the church, me and my younger brother, David, we wanted to go on a, an adventure into the desert, and we did not understand Arizona's climate very well. I spent most of my life in Texas and Arkansas, and so did he. He was leaving Montana to come help start this church. We're hunters, and uh, so we decided we were going to go quail hunting. Before I start and go any, or go any further, how many of you are not from Arizona? Would you raise your hand? Uh, how many of you, when you got here initially and were exploring the outdoors, kind of were overwhelmed? Raise your hand. 
Yeah. The desert has a different way of dealing with people than other uh, ecosystems. So here's what happened. We go out, we're scouting for quail out in the Sonoran Desert, and we get moving along. And I told David, hey, look, it's only three o'clock in the afternoon. We should be fine. It was the middle uh, of, I think it was August, September. We we're going to do some quail scouting. And he said, don't you think we need a little more water? I said, man, I've been here several weeks. Just follow my lead. Check this out. He said, okay, that's fine with me. But, you know, as long, you know when does it cool off? I said, probably four o'clock, five o'clock. We'll be good. He said, okay, how long are we going? I said, a mile or two, you know, we'll be fine. So we get out in the back country and we kind of get a little rerouted and I can't remember exactly how to get back and we didn't have very much water. So he starts saying, man, I'm feeling dizzy. I'm feeling lightheaded. I need some shade. I didn't know you can find shade behind a swarrow, but you can find shade behind a swarrow. You find that shade behind a swarrow. You know, if you're looking for shade from a swarrow, you're in trouble, Okay. So we're out there, and sure enough, uh, things start happening like I'd never seen before. I didn't know there was such thing as jumping cactus, jumping choya. Well, one jumped on me, and we got it off, and it was all over my brother's hands. And he's looking at me, and he goes, I can't believe you talked me into moving out here. You know, maybe God's telling us something. I should go back to Montana. So we get all the choya out, and then we go a little further, and then I heard something. I literally thought maybe it was like a I don't know. I, I didn't understand what it was. And it was a huge thing, like a, the whole sky, like a wave turned black. And it was bees, Africanized bees. Somehow we got into an area and I didn't know, but then they started flying at us and popping us. Have you ever seen that before? They send out their scouts and start popping the person to like warn them, don't go any further. So I didn't know. I'm like, it means just run. So we start running and we start running into the bees and so now me and my brother are running around with choya bees. Then we get down, and he is literally almost passed out. We see, we come down to the end, turn around a corner, and there's a huge Mojave rattlesnake right there. That sucker is green. And I said, that is really dangerous. <laughs> uh, we got out of there, and literally we were so overwhelmed. Um, we were dehydrated. We were exhausted. We were nauseous. We were... Uh, we were, I was about to throw up. I was, I was overwhelmed. Literally, we get to my house. My wife's gone at the time. We uh, take off our shirts and we lay on the concrete floor just to cool down. And we're sitting there for about an hour trying to just cool off. What had happened? We got dehydrated. We actually probably had heat exhaustion is what we had. What would have saved us? Water, shade. What I want to tell you is I really think that in the Christian life, it's very possible for people to be spiritually dehydrated, kind of exhausted. And it's, it's very, very, very normal for all people who do not know Jesus Christ to experience this incredible thirst. See, you and I were designed uh, for another world. We need something that's going to satisfy us that this earth does not provide. And we, when we look at the storyline of Scripture, what we see in, in John's gospel, we see Jesus Christ taking up a moment in a regular ceremony and describing his self, himself and belief in him as the source of all satisfaction, the living water, the one who can only truly satisfy. 
I believe probably in the crowd there was definitely thirsty people that wanted a hungered and thirst for righteousness. They wanted to believe Jesus was the Christ. There were others in the crowd that were filling their lives up with other things other than Jesus Christ and looking for satisfaction at a soul level in other things. And Jesus Christ says, he's the one who can satisfy. Let's look at the passage of Scripture in John chapter 7, verses uh, 37 through 38. The Bible says that it's the last day of the feast. It was the great day, and Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart uh, will flow rivers of living water. There's three words in this passage that I want to focus on today. I taught this passage last week, and I emphasized the work of the Holy Spirit But I want to emphasize today with you is the words thirst, come, and then drink. Uh, Jesus is giving an invitation, ladies and gentlemen. He's inviting people to salvation. I believe as well uh, in that crowd there were those that were just on the edge of Uh, between belief and unbelief. And at that moment, when Jesus said these historical words, the greatest feast of all on this historical day, when he said these words, there was many in the crowd that transitioned from unbelief to belief and said, I'm ready to come. I believe. They would have really understood that Jesus was describing himself as the fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecies, that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, that he's offering salvation to be restored, to be refreshed, to be redeemed, cleansed, healed, and given salvation simply by coming to him. There were others in the crowd that were definitely confused and thinking, what in the heck is he talking about? Maybe he's referring to the time in the Exodus when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt and struck the rock and the water gushed forward, and maybe he's reminding us of that, but no, Jesus kind of stepped in front of the high priest here, and he proclaims this. He stood up when most rabbis sit down. Uh, This is a pivotal moment in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Six to seven months from this time, as we read, he'll be on the cross. The clock is ticking, so he gives an invitation. He gives the invitation. He says, come to me and drink. And notice what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 as well. This is another passage I think that's really important about thirst. Jesus said in the greatest sermon ever, blessed are those. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there or we'll pull it up on the screen. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I believe at a core level, the only thing that will satisfy you and me and every person on the planet is a relationship with Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1, the Bible tells us that Jesus is actually involved in the creation of all the world and you. There is a reality here in the passage Uh, that we need to be satisfied uh, spiritually, uh, and Jesus Christ is that uh, satisfaction that we can receive. So here's the question, how to satisfy your spiritual thirst? I want to help you today to, to figure out this question in your own mind, in your own heart, 
as uh, perhaps what was going on there in the crowd with Jesus as there were those that needed to walk out of a life that was empty and they turned towards Jesus in that moment and said, I believe in you, you are the Messiah. And they experience salvation. They're given that gift and rivers of life are flowing through them and they're spiritually satisfied. But there were also those in the crowd because the Bible tells us so, uh, that had already made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. And I think that invitation was for them too. Meaning they'd al- they were already believers following Jesus, but when Jesus offers that, he helps them to understand that they can experience this newness of life by, in a sense, rededicating themselves to Jesus Christ. Some of you today, perhaps you are, you've made your decision, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, so how does this message relate to you? It relates to you in the sense that we can all acknowledge that we need our satisfaction to come through Jesus Christ. Spiritually, you and I need to be satisfied at a soul level, ongoingly, by Jesus Christ. You were made for another world. This world has all sorts of temptations and things that will trick you into satisfying you and giving you satisfaction, and we'll walk through those in a minute. And then some of you today, perhaps you're going to make that decision to follow Jesus Christ, and you need to be satisfied spiritually, but it comes through Jesus Christ. So how do we, or how to satisfy our spiritual thirst? Number one, I would say avoid doing things that spiritually dehydrate you. I think we can all uh, relate to this. Uh, It's really important to understand that basically when we turn away from Jesus Christ and go our way versus God's way, that will never satisfy us deeply. Um, I'll tell you the greatest temptation that I have and what spiritually dehydrates me the most it sounds bogus, but listen to me. Um, it can be when I turn to my wife or my child to fill the longing and the deepest satisfaction for my life in a person and not Jesus Christ. My wife is a godly woman. I love her. Uh, we're celebrating 20 years. She is my number one person in the world that I love. But marriage is so powerful. People are so powerful. There's so much attraction to that that if we're not careful, what we can do is look to somebody, watch this, look to somebody to be our savior. How exhausting is it? Have you ever been there before when somebody looks to you to meet every need of theirs? That is exhausting. If my wife looked to me to meet every single need that she had, I cannot satisfy Jesus Christ can satisfy. So what happens, I think, in times is that God has designed that uh, we can look to people to bring encouragement and joy, and we can experience satisfaction, but at a soul level, ladies and gentlemen, what you and I need more than anything is to be connected to our King. We need to be connected to our King, and we can become spiritually dehydrated and be exhausted emotionally when we turn to other people rather than to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So it goes like this. Every once in a while, I'll say, man, I'm dealing with these challenges, and here's what my wife says, who's so godly and so great. She says, have you prayed about it? I say, well, I'm talking to you about it. I'd pray about it first. What's she doing? 
She's trying to tell me that I got a God who speaks. I got a God who hears my voice. I got a God that will help me and strengthen me. And what she wants to do is she doesn't want to be the source of all direction for our life. She wants God the Father to be the source of direction. So then she says, okay, fine, you can tell me about it, but if it, I'm not going to tell you anything to do until you tell me you've prayed about it. Do you see that? That is the right move right there from a godly wife. It's so much easier for you and me to go to people to try to fix our problems when God says, no, I need you to come to me. Come to me first. Because what you and I need that the world can't offer is a sense of divine destiny. In every situation that we walk into, we sense, yeah, I've already talked to God about that. This is what I sense he's leading us to do. There's power in that. There's courage in that. So what can happen is we can easily uh, be spiritually dehydrated by seeking to find the appreciation, seeking to find the peace that we long for in a person rather than the person in the work of Jesus Christ. We can turn to our own ways and just go about our day and make our decisions. We can turn to other things to, try to find peace. Remember my dad told me when I was a rebellious teenager and he said, son, you're never going to find the peace and the happiness that you're looking for in alcohol or pills. You're never going to find it. It'll wear you out. You're longing for peace, and I get it, but you're not going to find it in a bottle or a pill. Why do people do that? Why are people addicted? Because they're looking for peace. They're looking for satisfaction. They're looking for relief. Why do we turn to other people and why do we turn to other things? Because we want it at a core level of our beings. We just want relief. We want to be satisfied. God made you not for this world. He made you for another. While you're supposed to live in this world, this isn't your home. You were designed for something far greater. So I would challenge you, avoid doing things that will spiritually dehydrate you. Some of you turn your own way. When you say, I don't need the church, I don't need community, I don't need godly counsel, you're going to dehydrate. When you say, you know what, I'm good, I got this, I don't need people speaking into my life, you're going to dehydrate. When you say, I don't need to uh, discipline myself in the Word of God, you're going to dehydrate. Jesus is trying to, he was out uh, preaching and teaching and somebody said, aren't you hungry? He says, no, my food is to do the will of my Father. Did you catch that? What you do can either spiritually hydrate you or dehydrate you. Does that make sense? Some of you are dehydrated spiritually. And what does that mean? It means you're weak. But you can be strong. Some of you are dehydrated because you've, in a sense, turned away from God, the source of life, and kind of just done your own thing. Or you always turn back to God, but you're kind of going back to addictive patterns or you're looking to other people to be the source and the satisfaction that only God can give you. My wife would say something like this from time to time, Ryan, I can't give you what God can give you. You need a deeper level of peace. You need a deeper level of, of direction. Some of us, we can look to our children to be the source of our joy and our happiness. And what happens when our children are gone? This is why you see so many marriages fall apart when they're empty nesters. Why is that? Because satisfaction and happiness was in the child. 
We don't need child-centered homes, ladies and gentlemen. We need Christ-centered homes. Amen? Where Jesus Christ is at the center of the marriage, where Jesus Christ is at the center of everything we do. Your best is walking with Jesus Christ. So one day when you do sit beside your spouse and you say, I love you, you're about to go on to another place. You say, I love you. I'm coming for you later. You, you can say that with peace and you're going to be okay because Jesus Christ is your source and your strength. And the person that says, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. If you're gone, I can't live. These are the people that have sought to be all satisfied by a person. And so what happens in that moment, I sit in the counseling chair and I talk to people from time to time. They lose a spouse, they lose a child, and now they hate God. Why do they hate God? Because that person is gone. Well, what happened? They placed all their satisfaction, all their peace, all their ambition in a person, rather on a person in the work of Jesus Christ. Number two, avoid doing things that will spiritually dehydrate you. Fill up with God's word. Fill up with God's uh, people. Fill up with God's spirit. Fill up. So this is what Jesus was trying to say. In John uh, 4.13, Jesus was trying to help this woman understand when she was filling her life with relationships. Let's look at uh, John chapter 4, verse 13. It's here on the screen. It says this, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty. Help me out. Again, the woman at the well, she was trying to fill her life with relationships. She had been sleeping around with a lot of different men. And Jesus finds her and says, basically, I, I've got a water that you need and it will satisfy every need that you have. Jesus says, if you keep coming back here and living the way you're living, you're always going to be thirsty again. Um. That's how addiction happens, too. You just go back to the same cycle. Somebody's uh, defined insanity as uh, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different what? Result. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we can be addicted to doing the wrong things and trying to satisfy our desires and our needs in somebody else or something else other than God. And that is biblically called idolatry is what that's actually called. Jesus Christ is offering a satisfaction at a soul level that's deeper than anybody's ever known before. Jeremiah 2.13, I love this passage. Here's a paraphrase of Jeremiah 2.13. Uh, this is uh, well said. My people have done two evils, the Lord says. They have turned away from me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own wells, which are broken wells and cannot hold water. I like the imagery there. The Lord is speaking. This idea of finding satisfaction in God has been there from Old Testament to New Testament. What do we do as people? We exhaust ourselves and wear ourselves out trying to dig and do our own life according to our terms. We go launch a new venture. We break a relationship and form a new one. Where was God's counsel in the deal? What are we doing? We're digging for that water, that source of satisfaction in someone or something, and God's blessing was never on it. We can so easily dig our own wells and try to satisfy our own souls, but truly it is only the Lord, when we turn towards Him, is the one who can satisfy. He said from the Old Testament to the New Testament, He's the one who can satisfy. So, my question to you is, are you digging a well, doing a certain direction, moving in a direction in your life that's really not satisfying? 
that's really not helping you, and if you're honest, it's actually hurting you, then turn back to the Lord. The Word says, my people have done two evils. They've turned away from me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own wells, which are broken. So the pathway of doing your own thing is a broken pathway. So what do you do? Number two, how do you satisfy spiritual thirst? You just come as you are. That was the invitation that Jesus Christ gave. He says, just come as you are. Anyone who thirsts, just come. Don't wait. You can't go long. You need to be hydrated. You don't want to be dehydrated. You need to be charged. You need to be amped up correctly. Uh, back in May, I lost a vehicle in a, a terrible accident. Uh, thankfully, nobody was fatally, uh, it, was a, it wasn't fatal and there was no uh, critical injuries, but I lost my truck, which I truly love as a, just a great off-road vehicle, uh, Toyota Tacoma. And so I'm looking for a new 4x4 right now, and I saw, I think it was just this morning, uh, that the 2023 is going to be an electric truck, which I thought, well, that'd be cool. Gas prices are really high. And then I read, they said it goes 200 miles before you need to be recharged. And I thought to myself, I will be that guy who goes 201 miles in the backcountry, 40 miles away from the nearest paved road, and I can't find an outlet to plug that thing in. Um, here's my point. You don't have as long as you think you have in your life without being recharged. You, you can't go 200 miles. You can't go 200 days. You can't go 200 uh, hours. You can't go 200 minutes. You can't go 200 seconds without being charged by God. That's not the way he wants you to live. He wants you to live, the Bible just said it earlier, in step with the Spirit of God, that you'd experience His power and His blessing in each and every step. Before you open that door to have that conversation with those people, your employees, your family, you walk it with a sense of, Lord Jesus, be with me, speak through me, use me. When you sit down to crunch the numbers, ask the Lord, Lord, I need your help right now to make these decisions. I don't want to do anything going my way. I would like to go your way. That's being spiritually charged, coming and making a habit of being at church and being filled up and singing worship and praise. This is what is a blessing, and we feel God's presence in a special and unique way on a Sunday because God's presence is powerful in the church and around the world, but something special when believers gather, and it charges us up. Jesus says, come as you are. Our church services are for everybody. You need to come as you are. Uh, you, you've been running and trying to satisfy your life in other directions with other people, with other things outside of Jesus. Good. Jesus says, come. That's the vet message. You just come as you are. You're addicted. You're in trouble. You've been... It, in trouble and you're in pain, you just come. You've been filling your life with other things and other people, Jesus says, come. In that crowd, when Jesus was making that invitation, there were those that were ready to crucify him, and they did. They chanted out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, six to seven months later. In that same crowd were people that were religious and trying to earn their, in a sense, their salvation. And there were people there that were rejecting him and saying, I don't believe him. There were other people that said, man, I'm thirsty. 
I want change. But they had lived a scandalous life. They've been a skeptic. They've been a cynic. And Jesus said, come. So I say to you, the good news is, is you need to realize you have limitations. You can't go forever. You need to come to Jesus Christ. Here's what the scripture says in John chapter 7, verse 37. Jesus said, he stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him help me out. Come, come to me. Don't turn to a spouse. Don't turn towards your truck. Don't turn towards your business. Don't turn towards your hobby. When you're at your deepest level of need, you turn to the Lord. You don't turn to another religion. You don't turn to Netflix or Amazon. You don't turn to alcohol or pills. The greatest satisfaction you will ever feel is in Jesus Christ. So Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, help me out, rest. Some of you are, you're heavy laden. Why is that? Because you've got a lot of responsibility in your life. You're dealing with a lot right now. Medical issues, financial issues, challenges, decisions. You're, you're in a sense, you're burdened. Jesus says, come to me. But isn't it easy to go somewhere else? Isn't it easy to go to someone or to something other than Jesus Christ? I'll tell you, for me, it can be as simple as saying, you know what? I'm just going to turn on some worship music for a moment, and I'm just going to sing by myself songs that fill my soul. I'm going to take just a few minutes right now, and I'm going to sit down, and I just want to read a devotional for five to ten minutes and ask God to speak through it. And you know what's so cool is it feels like so many times when I do that, I feel like God's Word is fresh for that day, like something is just right there for me in that moment. And I want to encourage you to do that. You come to Him. Number three, I would just say make a habit of staying spiritually hydrated. Make a habit of staying spiritually hydrated. Uh, this is what uh, will fill us up. Jesus said this. Uh, we'll read the paraphrase of Scripture. Jesus, or um, uh, uh, we'll review the Scripture. He said, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What you need to do and I need to do is to take it all in. When we're learning from God's word, take it all in. You meditate on it. When he says to drink, that means to take it into oneself. And until you receive Jesus Christ and say, I want you to be a part of my life, I want you to uh, satisfy the deepest level of my need, you don't know him. You can't just come to Jesus and then not drink of Jesus. He's the one who can satisfy. He's the life that you need. It is very easy just to come to church, but coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is when you receive Jesus Christ in your life. When you say, I want you, Lord. I need you. This is what Jesus was saying. Come to me and drink. That is to take in everything who he is, all that he has to say, and believe and receive that Jesus said this in John chapter 4, verse 14. He says, uh, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I will give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus offers eternal life, and that life is not just in the life to come after we die. It is the life here and now. 
And when you receive Jesus Christ, initially in salvation, you're giving a, a massive experience of uh, God's peace and his pleasure and his joy, and you feel that life, and that is true. But as believers, we can continually come to Jesus Christ uh, through this process called sanctification or growing in holiness and turning towards Jesus and away from ourselves and be constantly satisfied. If you find yourself, right, when you're anxious and nervous or frustrated or hurt, habitually going to something, it could be spending, it could be alcohol, it could be uh, pills, it could be to somebody, a destructive habit or a person, you should recognize right there that the Lord says, you don't have to go to that, you can come to me. And I'm the only one that's going to truly satisfy you. And so Jesus says, come to me, drink of the water that I give, you'll never be thirsty again. What does that mean? It means at a soul level, your soul will be satisfied. You will be given the opportunity to have at a deeper level of peace than most people could ever find or receive. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 6. It is the greatest sermon ever. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be, help me out, satisfied. Your deepest satisfaction is coming in Jesus Christ. Right now, as a, uh, a former youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for 10 years, and I'm working really hard to uh, labor, uh, to encourage our students and our kids because I'm greatly concerned as a parent. I see a lot of kids today that have been brainwashed to finding uh, satisfaction and peace and a happiness in a person they are not. I see the school system educating and informing students that they can be liberated if they find and find their inner peace and their satisfaction when they're told that they are not actually the gender that they were born with. I find a lot of concern that while higher rates of suicide and higher rates of teen depression and, and self-mutilization and agony that I see young people going through today, perhaps more than I've ever seen before, I'm concerned about that and I'm concerned about the media and the push that it is on our young children. And do you know what the Lord says? I'm the only one that can satisfy. You can't change yourself. You can't change your circumstances. I'm the only one that can satisfy. And ladies and gentlemen, we've got to be the leaders. We've got to be the parents. We've got to be the influencers to say, what you're looking for is peace. What you're looking for is contentment. What you're looking for is love, and that's all good. But you're not going to find it when you change who you are. You're going to find it when you meet the changer, Jesus. At a soul level, the only thing that can ever satisfy a person is Jesus Christ. And I see a generation that's in great need of coming to this place to realize that their hunger and thirst that they long for and satisfaction is not going to be found. Even research shows that when uh, folks transition into a, gen a different gender, many times they transition back because they're not satisfied. I'm concerned for our generation and I'm concerned for us as people that we need to model what it looks like to be satisfied, to be filled up, to have that abundant life, to, to be that satisfaction. And so ladies and gentlemen, uh, husbands, 
and wives and parents, listen, your greatest influence will be how you live your life. You know who was the greatest person that ever influenced my spiritual coming to faith? It was my mom. Sure, my dad, he laid out the values. He laid out the vision. He was a huge, he is the patriarch of our family, my father. But you know what my mom did that so powerfully influenced me? When I would come in late at night after staying out all night long as a rebellious teenager, I would come in and you know where I saw my mom? On her knees, praying and reading the word. Do you know when I saw my mom and my dad go through financial hardship and adversity, do you know what I saw my dad do? Open the Bible and talk about what, we, what do we need to do? When I saw uh, uh, our family uh, go through tremendous adversity and hardship, I saw my family come together and pray. That's who had the strongest influence in my life. What were they doing? They were turning to the Lord in the midst of struggle. You, ladies and gentlemen, you have a powerful influence. Imagine if our church in every boardroom, in every classroom, in every living room that we occupy, there's this presence and power of Jesus Christ with us and that we go in as influencers for the glory of God and for the good of other people. How do we do that? We seek to find our complete satisfaction in Jesus Christ alone. And then we live that out with people all around us. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that we would be more and more satisfied with you and all the other things that we can seek satisfaction in. God, I pray that you would change and rewire our desires. Wake us up. Those things aren't going to truly satisfy. And might we be a light to the world around us and show other people where they can find true peace true happiness and satisfaction. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hey, um, as we prepare for our time in communion, I want to remind you uh, that the Scripture teaches us that you and I don't have to thirst at a soul level uh, for salvation anymore because Jesus Christ thirsted for us. When we look at his life on the cross, the Bible tells us in John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30, it says this, after this, Jesus, knowing all that all was now finished, he had gone to the cross, said to fulfill scripture, I, help me out, thirst. Jesus Christ thirsted. He took on a thirst and he was thirsty and you and I don't have to be thirsty. Because Jesus went to the cross, Jesus suffered for our sins and died. Because his death, we can live. Jesus took upon himself the sins of the world, and he experienced pain and hunger, and you and I don't have to experience that. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the King of glory. Because Jesus Christ is our fullest satisfaction and our thirst. And so it says in the scripture, a, a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And in that moment, there was a transition that all who come to him would never have to experience the thirst ever again if they would just trust and receive Jesus Christ. In a moment, you can come forward to receive communion and it's an opportunity for you to remember that you can have eternal satisfaction in your life through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we come forward to receive communion, some are here today and they're spiritually dehydrated.
they don't know you. They've kind of exhausted themselves in other things and other people. And Lord, today's a day where they're turning away from the things that are empty and turning towards you, the one who's full. And I pray for all those who have never prayed to receive Christ, maybe in this moment would make that transition. And just simply acknowledge that those areas of life aren't satisfying. Acknowledge their sin. And then believe in Jesus Christ to be the source of all satisfaction. So if that's you, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I acknowledge my sin. I believe in you, Jesus Christ. You take care of my sin. You heal me. You renew me. You satisfy me. I believe in you to be my Lord. I believe you, Jesus Christ, and I confess you with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you're the Lord. And the Bible says that all who believe that are saved and experience this satisfaction. So right now, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to encourage those folks who've made that decision. And for all of us, Lord, that can acknowledge and admit that we turn to other people and other things to find satisfaction, let's rededicate our lives to you, Lord. We want to rededicate and just say, we need satisfaction from you more than anything else, more than anyone more than anything, you're the one who can satisfy. We pray we would walk in that and live in that and refresh us anew by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to support North Valley Church by partnering with us through giving, you can do so by visiting us online at northvalley.org. Thanks and have a great day.